On today's episode of 77 Minutes in Heaven, we've got a crossover going on, and I'm not talking the Jamal Crawford style. We bring on the Athletics Clippers beat writer, Jovan Buha, to talk about the uh, now-confirmed upcoming series between the Mavericks and the Clippers. That next. Makes it a two-point game. Oh, here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three over. Hey, this is Tim Cato. I'm the Mavericks beat writer for The Athletic, but this is not a typical Mavs podcast. Uh, we've got Jovan. What's up, Jovan? How's it going? What's your podcast called again? Clip City. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but I didn't want to embarrass myself on air. With so many new new listeners, you know, uh, on, the, uh, <laughs> on the feed since uh, this is going on yours too, right? Yeah. So we, we were texting the last couple of days talking about a potential Clippers Mavericks series. That's the way this has been headed really for months, uh, you know, we, we had a, a preview, I, I want to say back in late March, early April, um, yeah. I, I did a couple posts on the Clippers side of, of questions offensively and defensively. I, I, you know, felt that the team would need to figure out come playoff time against the Mavericks. And then we did a back and forth and ended up doing predictions on it. Uh, but last night it became official with the Clippers defeating the Denver Nuggets. They officially locked up the two seed and are matched up with the Mavericks. So I think this is going to be a very interesting series for multiple reasons. Um, you know, we have not seen this Clippers team together in a playoff series yet, you know, despite all the hype and, and everything. And they have not really been healthy all season. So I, I think just seeing what this team fully formed can be in a seven game series is, is interesting on the Clipper side. And then on the Maverick side, you haven't seen Luca in the playoffs yet. You haven't seen KP in the playoffs yet. And on paper, this is the third best team in the West, uh, at least by net rating. And I, I think closer to being the third best team than the seventh best team. So this is not in, in my estimation, a traditional two, seven matchup, but w- what is the first thing that kind of jumps out to you when you think about this series? That's, going to be starting in like three days. Yeah, it's, it's funny that we we talked about it, you know, way back then, pandemic. I, I think at the time we were not even sure if, you know, we would have seeding games, if they would just, you know, if, if the season returned to jump straight to the playoffs. Um, there's a couple moments in the bubble where it looked like, you know, the Clippers might fall or the Mavericks might rise. Um, but at the same time, this felt like this felt inevitable to me. I, I don't know about you, but I, but I think at least for... Uh, you know, being a Mavs beat writer, I, you know, since March or maybe February, it, it always just seemed like these two teams were destined to end up uh, possibly just because, you know, the Clippers are the absolute worst matchup for the Mavericks. And uh, it's it's just been that type of season for them. It, it feels like I, I don't know if you felt that way. As far as the, being the worst possible matchup? Oh, just the, the inevitability. Yeah, um, no, no. I, I think it's, it's something that... Um, you know, the, the Clippers have kind of been open with that this is a matchup they've been preparing for for a while. Um, you know, I, I do think when they were looking at their you know, hypothetical uh, first-round opponents, you know, Dallas was at the top of the list. You know, at the time they were matched up in the 2-7, but um, just with you know, only having eight seeding games and you, you kind of figured that the last two, most things would be settled by then. Um, you know, it just kind of Mavericks have like five or six games to really move out of seven uh, coming from, I, I think there are three or four games back in the loss column. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. And I, I'm, I agree with you in that um, I think Luca 
this is the worst matchup for the Mavericks because this is the worst matchup probably for Luca. And, you know, of course, you're not going to stop Luca. I think he, he still averaged 29 points across the three matchups. But the Clippers do have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pat Beverly, um, even secondary guys like Marcus Morris, Jermichael Green, Rodney Magruder, who can at least, like, be competent against Luca. You know, he, yeah, he's one, still going to – go ahead. One thing I, I point out when people bring up the, the Luca, you know, never been to the playoffs narrative – um, is that he obviously does have tons of professional postseason experience. Now, not in the NBA, of course, but, you know, this is a guy with, with uh, you know, an absurd amount of experience for, for being his age um, of playing in games that are, that are very tough and, and very difficult. But I will say that at no point playing for Real or for Slovenia did he ever have to face defenders like Kawhi and Paul George. Like that, that is a different level and a different, you know, a, a, just a, a different challenge for him. Um, you know, like there, there aren't players like Kawhi and Paul George in the world. Um, you know, they're, they're two of the, the, you know, most unique three and D stars, you know, if, if you, if you will call them that, um, you know, in, in the entire league. So, you know, I, it, exactly right. Exactly what you said. That's, that's one of the biggest reasons why they lost all three games. Two of them were, were double digits. Uh, I think the first one was probably a little bit closer than the double digit score indicated, but just the, the, the players they can throw at Luca. And when this when this team is heliocentric around Luca, um, of course, you know that that does pose problems. And I think any Western Conference matchup, um, even the Lakers, honestly, um, which was never really in play, but you know, even the Lakers, if I if I had to choose, I, I would have chose pretty much any other one. Yeah, and uh, I think to your point about the Clippers' perimeter defense, you know, th- this is not only a trend with. Luca, but this is a trend kind of across the board with other perimeter stars where LeBron, for example, he shoots the worst uh, against the Clippers this season. If, if you look at his, you know, per, per team splits, you know, I think the Raptors are technically last, but he only played them once. So uh, of any team he's played, you know, more than twice, the Clippers are, you know, have allowed the, the worst field goal percentage against LeBron. And I, I think it's similar to Luca. I, I don't think the Clippers are last, but I, I think they're like third or fourth. You know, I went back and watched all of Luca's clips against the Clippers. It, it is clear to me that when it's Kawhi or PG on him, you know, th- there is a noticeable difference in the shot quality he's able to get on him being able to get to the rim. Really, the only thing he's able to consistently get against those guys is the step back. But as has kind of been reported and talked about recently, like teams will concede that to him and kind of just you know, there's nothing you can do if he's making that, but you know, I, I think he's shooting around 31, 32% on threes. So you will live with Luca taking a, a step back three versus driving into the paint, getting fouled, kicking out to shooters, finding KP, like, you know, of all of those scenarios, you will live with him taking a contested step back three over Kawhi or PG. So yeah, that's what made him a superstar this year was just his, his like, he had a, I mean, he's basically at LeBron James level in terms of getting into the lane. It, it sounds weird because a lot of Luca's rep early on was the, you know, lack of athleticism. Can he beat NBA guards? He is, you know, the leading the NBA and drives to the rim, uh, which I think they count drives as if, if you start outside of 10 feet and get within 10 feet, um, that's, that's a, that's a drive. Uh, and he leads the league in that. Um, and, and so, so it's absurd. And so, you know, if, if you can mitigate his ability to do that, if you can push back, if you have the defenders, um, and, and one thing is like it's not even it's not even when Kawhi and Paul George are on him it's it's their health defense too because I think in most games they've they've started another player on Luca 
Uh, but but he's had to deal with these you know these roving roaming you know all all defense defenders that that frustrate him as well. So yeah, that's absolutely the uh, the, the the most difficult challenge uh, and, and why and why the Clippers have played him so well. If you had uh, something else to go off there, but but I well no, I mean I I think at the end of the day, like superstars run the NBA, and and more often than not, the team with the better stars ends up winning the series. Like, you know, I, th- I think that's pretty universal. Usually the team that wins the championship had the best player. Um, you know, that there are exceptions like, I guess, LeBron versus the Warriors. But um, for the most part, you know, the, the, the team with the best player in the series tends to win um, or at least have a really good shot to win. And I, I think in, in most series, Luca would be the best player. But this probably is, is an exception, right? Like, I, I mean... I I think Kawhi is is capable of matching him, and and if he's not from like a pure output perspective, then you have Paul George, who's you know right there, kind of is like a one B behind Kawhi, and, and is someone who is actually you know stepped up in the bubble, really found himself offensively, taking himself to a different level, um, and is looking more like the OKC PG that um, you know we, we've known for for years and years. So. I think on one side, it obviously is the Luka matchup and that the Clippers are well-equipped to switch on to him to, you know, they have a lot of switchable guys aside from Kawhi and PG. Again, Pat, Jamichael, Marcus Morris, like these guys are, are have the foot speed to at least stick with him a little bit. Um, but I think the other side of the ball is where I also find some interesting matchups because I just don't see... Like my, my biggest reason why I, I would not pick the Mavericks to win this series isn't because of the defense against Luka. It's because of the defense against Kawhi and PG. And I, I just don't – I don't think the Mavs are well-equipped to match up with those two. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a, a lot of Dorian Finney-Smith, a lot of Maxi Kleba, um, some Tim Hardaway Jr. mixed in there, maybe even some Luka. And I, I just think – with what I've seen the Clippers do to those guys, you know, and those two guys in particular, um, this season, it, it just, that, that would be kind of my biggest reason why I, I think Dallas can probably keep up with the LA offensively, but when it comes to close games, you know, even putting aside Dallas's poor record in close games, um, it's just going to be, I trust Kawhi and PG to make the winning plays. And I, I just don't trust Dallas's perimeter defense. Yeah. And it's, it's been a problem all season. It's especially been a problem in the bubble. They have good defenders on the team, you know, Porzingis and Finney Smith and uh, Kleba, especially those three are all good defenders. Hardaway is okay. Doncic has been playing much better in the bubble, you know, still probably okay at best. But uh, I think Carlisle, after after one of the games, these bubbles said it was the best defensive game Luka has played. And I think overall his, his defense has been up. So it's it's funny looking at all these, you know, okay to good to great defenders and, and, and trying to analyze why isn't it come, you know, why isn't it coming together further? But I, I do think they're just missing, you know, a, a great defender at the top. Finney Smith as your number one stopper, just, you know, he's, he's a little bit overmatched in that role. Thus, you know, their second best defender is a little, you know, I guess Porzingis is a little bit overmatched in his role, which makes her third best defender a little bit overmatched in his role. And, and if I had, if, you know, if I had to come up with the best explanation as to why the Mavericks struggle defensively and have been, you know, it, it's that, um, it's, it's that kind of snowball effect of, you know, that they, they just need, they, they need to change the hierarchy. They need to insert one player at the top who's, 
you know, the, the clear defensive leader and, and standout defender and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if they can keep Kawhi or, or Paul George from their spots. I, I don't, you know, they, they definitely don't have the depth to keep up. Um, that that's going to be an issue. Um, actually, you know, and I think that's something that, that was highlighted, um, in, in, in the game, they, in the one game they played in the bubble, uh, which we can talk a little bit, uh, before we do that, uh, let's, let's go to a sponsor break. Fellas, I'm talking to you. Are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. This, uh, this ad copy is clearly not talking about me. My body is not ready by any means. But uh, Manscaped is always ready. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have the perfect package 3.0 kit. It comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof, cordless body trimmer. And it's got a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You can adjust settings to get a length you like. You can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. This stuff, you know, it's all important. If you, if you are going to be at the beach this summer, how can you go without a bit of manscaping? And it's in their name. Why would you go with anyone else? So get 20% off and free shipping with the code theathletic20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to Manscaped today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. And now, a special offer from our friends at Indochino. Yeah, Jovan, so, you know, it was 126-111, a Clippers win last week in the bubble and you know the, the the Clippers were missing you know a couple players Beverly and and uh and Montrezl Harrell the Mavericks were miss, missing Seth Curry I, I would say just because the Mavericks have so, so little depth that missing any one of their playoff rotation players uh is more impactful for them than it would be for the for the Clippers missing missing a couple players um which is really more of a statement about the Mavericks just not having enough players to go to like their pl- playoff rotation is going to be Luca KP uh, Hardaway, Finney Smith, uh, Kleba Curry and DeLon Wright and, and Trey Burke. And, and those are, you know, you know, could be iffy, um, you know, th- they're going to play because they have no one else to play. But, you know, if you're headed into the postseason, those are perhaps not, you know, the, the two rotation players you, you want to have to rely on, uh, especially with the season DeLon Wright has had, which has just been, awkward and, and you know he's at he's at moments so you know it, it's it's definitely a problem and, and you contrast that with the Clippers who were deep coming into the year and are only deeper I mean that, that's that to me is another just clear clear place that that the Clippers easily outclassed Dallas looking at the um both teams uh, stat pages for the, the season series the Clippers have seven players uh, averaging double-figure points against the Mavericks. The, the Mavericks have four, but all seven guys are averaging more points than the uh, third, mo- the third highest guy in Dallas. So I, I think that just kind of speaks to it. Um, you know, one guy, Marcus Morris, only played one game, but everyone else played two or more games for the Clippers, and I, I think that kind of just highlights the, the the depth where. You know, Kawhi's averaging the most points of anyone in the season series. He's averaging 31 against Dallas. But right behind him is PG with 25. And then you go Marcus Moore, 16. Lou at 14. But on Dallas' side, it's 
you know, Luca at 29, which is almost right there with Kawhi, but then it's a big drop off to KP at 18. Then another drop off to Trey Burke, who only played one game, 11 points, Seth at 10 and a half. And not to make this like a points per game thing, but I, I think that just does highlight, um, you know, outside of Luca and KP, you don't really know what you're getting from Dallas, you know, night to night um, in, in within this series. Wherefore, the Clippers, aside from PG and Kawhi, who again, I think should either match or exceed the offensive production of, of Luca and KP. Like you have Lou, you have Trez who's coming back and, and everyone's been talking about how motivated he is. You have Marcus Morris who started to find himself in the bubble, you know, averaging 16 points a game and, and has looked pretty good. Um, even guys like Reggie Jackson, I think is capable of like having a game and, um, you know, has, has played okay in the ball. Like, so I, I just think w- with the Clippers, there are more weapons there, you know, obviously um, th- there are more guys you can turn to. And if Lou is having a bad game. You have a Reggie Jackson um, who, who can step up and kind of do some of the similar things. Like if Trez isn't playing well, you have a Vita Zubats who just had a, a monster game against Dallas, um, you know, and, and is playing really well in the bubble. So I, I just, you know, I think I'm with you. I think at the end of the day, the, the depth is heavily tilted in the Clippers' favor. Um, but to me, I, I guess if I want to play devil's advocate and, and make the case for Dallas, I do think, you know, one, the, the Clippers have not been fully healthy yet in the bubble. Um, you know, they've probably had as much turnover in the bubble as anybody in, in terms of having seven guys either arrive late or leave at some point, uh, you know, which is, and all seven guys were, were part of the rotation. So seven of their 10 rotation players have at some point been outside the bubble. Um, so they've not had even one game with most of their rotation, you know, every game has been missing two or three guys. And, and and then two, I really don't think there's a great matchup for KP. And I I felt that in in this last game, you know, there was a few times he got some pretty good looks, he got some pretty good mid post position and just turned around, shot it, either made it or missed, but like nothing to do with the the defender. And for whatever reason, Dallas kind of went away from that. Like, you know, it, it felt like, in the first half, they were feeding KP a lot. Second half kind of went away from it. And, you know, maybe Dallas wasn't trying to play its hand or whatever, but I do feel like with Rick Carlisle, you know, he, we know he's an elite tactician. We know that he can maximize talent and, and really, you know, how many times has, has Dallas in the past pushed a, a first round series where they were the underdog to like six or seven games? So you, you have Rick Carlisle and his staff. Then you have KP, who I, I just don't think the Clippers necessarily have a great matchup, you know, for him. And I just wonder, like, if, if Dallas is, can be very aggressive in, in putting him in good spots um, and, and, you know, he can play really well, like, he, to me, could be an X factor of, you know, if the Clippers just can't defend him because he's 7'2", 7'3", and, and, you know, they don't have someone to really match up with him, that, that like a longer big, um, I do think he can, you know, why can't he average 25 and 10 and, um, you know, help Luca and, and maybe make this a six or seven game series. Like he's, that to me is like the upside of Dallas, I guess. He, he's been averaging 30 in the bubble. He, he's been, he's been even better. This is the best stretch he's ever played. I, I would say in his career, you talked about the, the mid post stuff and, and how Dallas went away from that in the second half. The, the offense is not designed around Porzingis getting post touches. Uh, there was the, the famous Carlisle, you know, the post up is a bad play uh, in today's NBA. He had that rant after, um, I think Shaq and and, uh, and Chuck on on TNT were saying that that Porzingis just needs to play bigger. Porzingis doesn't need to play bigger, 
but there certainly are instances where he can use his size. And the, the, one, the one thing we know about the playoffs is that, you know, as much as, um, you know, the mid-range shot is, is just not efficient enough to steer a team, you know, through an entire regular season and be successful, you know, there's very few players who are efficient enough with it uh, to, to, to really use it. Um, it can, it can really help you, you know, in, in situations against really tough defenses that, that are good at limiting, limiting the things you like to do, you know, uh, you know, obviously layups and threes being those two things. If the Clippers do a good job of that, uh, but, but the Mavericks can, can push back by, you know, trying to get KP, you know, with deep post positioning, um, and on switches where he can face up and shoot over someone. I think those are shots that, you know, depending on the, the quality of their other looks will be beneficial for them. You know, obviously, especially if he's putting them in, um, which which is, you know, something he's been doing more frequently in, in the bubble of late. So it, it's it's definitely a, a scenario. It's definitely a, a X factor, I guess, um, if, if you'll allow that that cliche. Um, it, it's something they, they, they will, you know, try a little bit. Um, ideally, you know, they're they're always going to be running pick and roll for Luca. And letting Luca get to the rim or find an open shooter, you know that that is the you know the the option one A one B of every offensive possession for the Mavericks when Luca's on the floor. But you know things things get jammed up, and good defenses prevent you from doing stuff like that. And you know as long as KP isn't you know taking the ball eighteen feet from the basket and trying to back someone down, that's a bad possession. He will never be good at that. But he's a very good player, you know, because of his height, because of his shooting touch. Uh, he can do a lot if he's, you know, posting up from eight feet and turning uh, or or if he's he's just facing up over, you know, Pat Beverly. Like, I feel confident that he, he will put some of those shots in. And, you know, maybe maybe that's something they're going to have to fall back on. Um, and, and then just the other thing about the offense is, is the, the you know, it's the best in league history, the best that's ever happened. It, they, they will have a game where they just make shots, at least one, possibly two. Like that is that is their easiest course to winning. Is because they have, um, you know, they, they, the, the Clippers, as good as they are defensively, will not always stop Dallas from getting to the rim. Or if they are able to really shut that down, there will be open threes. And inevitably, you know, it's it's a it's a seven, you know, the series. These are seven game series, best of four series. Um, I would imagine for at least one game, there is a there's a game where the threes just go down. And, and there's nothing much that the Clippers can do about that. So, you know, if you know, I'm not. I guess it's, I guess we can kind of go into predictions. Uh, like like I, I don't I don't know how many games they're going to take. I'm I'm you know I'm waffling between one and two, um, but I'm positive the the Mavericks will will take at least a game because that offense is just you know it's 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 inevitable almost you know it's, it is an inevitable force that you know even the best defenses can't totally account for. I think this is a matchup in which Dwight Powell will be really missed. Um, I do think. He was a good matchup. I'm interested in, in what the Mavericks do because I I think, you know, obviously I, I know more of the Clippers side and I think, you know, the, the Clippers are probably going to be heavy favorites. So to me, it's like, what can the underdog do to muck this up, make it a six or seven game series, potentially even win it? You know, who, you never know. So I, I'm more way more fascinated by what Dallas does and, and you know, kind of their approach to the series. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's obviously going to have to be a lot of Maxi Kleba. Uh, I think he's defended Kawhi the best of anyone on Dallas. And so- some of the highlights of Kawhi versus Story and Finney Smith are just brutal, where he just blows by him. And if 
Finney Smith recovers, Kawhi just, you know, bodies him out of the way and, you know, he's dunked on him a couple of times and like, it, it's just been kind of brutal where you're probably going to have to put Finney Smith on, on PG and, and hope he can stick with him. Um, but t- to me, it's, it's going to have to be a lot of Maxi on, on Kawhi and, um, you know, Maxi can, can hit threes. So I guess like offensively, you're not really losing much spacing, but Dwight Powell to me was, was a guy that against Zubots, against Trez, um, you know, I think matched up decently well with those two guys. And um, I thought you kind of saw that in that last game that, um, you know, Trez didn't play, but Zoo was kind of able to have his way inside and, and really control the paint. Um, and I think that's where someone like Dwight Powell, who's a little bit more of a conventional big, but is also athletic and mobile would have fared better in that matchup against Zoo and Trez. Cause those two guys are just going to roll. They're, they're going to pound the offensive glass the Clippers are one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. And I think they're going to try to exploit that with Dallas. Uh, but, but to bring it to the prediction, um, I'm with you. I, I know Clipper fans have been very vocal on Twitter over the past few days saying they think this is going to be a sweep. Um, I, I just don't see that. Um, you know, I, I think they're capable of sweeping them. And, and I think if they do that, then the Clippers are obviously very locked in and, and playing their best basketball. But um, you know, I, I wrote a story after this, uh, you know, matchup from a few days ago of, I think this is going to be a competitive series that is not very close. And, and what I mean by that is I think similar to the regular season matchups, they're all going to be games that go into the fourth quarter. Um, but with the Clippers closing ability with, with, you know, just, they have elite one-on-one ISO guys in Kawhi, PG and Lou. Um, you know, guys who are consistently atop the league in terms of fourth quarter scoring and, and game winning shots and stuff like that. Um, so I, I trust that side. And then Dallas's poor record in close games. I, I think that also kind of favors the Clippers a little bit. So for me right now, I would go with a, a five game series. Um, but I, I'm with you. Like Dallas has shot 31% on threes in the season series against the Clippers. I do not think that is going to hold up. I expect that to be in like the 35 to 37% range and, you know, two or or three more threes going in their way in some of these games could have potentially swung them or or made them, you know, one or two possession games late instead of the the, the 15 point wins that the Clippers had a couple of times. So for me, you know, one or two shots really can swing a game and I I do expect Dallas to shoot better. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis is, is, shooting 35 percent i think that's going to go into the 40s um you know i, I think luca will, will shoot better than 27 percent on threes and if those two guys play better step up like i, I could see this being a six game series uh but but for now I, i'll kind of hedge and go with five uh but I, I think anywhere from four to six to me um i would not be surprised Luca might shoot 19% from three. He's, uh, he's, he's, uh, his, his three pointer is a, it's a, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I'll say, I'll say Clippers and six predictions are weird. We don't know how the Mavericks, you know, first time in the playoffs for everybody except Seth Curry and Hardaway, I believe, um, are the only two rotation players who have been in before. Um, everybody but them, you know, none, none of them have been in the playoffs before, so don't know how they're going to react. We don't know how the bubble and, and the, and the weirdness around the, you know, Clippers rotation, just with players going in and out, like you described, we don't know how that's going to affect them. Um, you know, predictions are already hard when things are normal and things are the complete opposite of normal, you know, and, and as, as we head into this, you know, very unique postseason. 
Um, but but that said, you know, and, and the other thing, the other thing you mentioned, which I think is worth bringing up again, is that Ma- the Mavericks are closer to the third best team in the Western Conference than the seventh. That's absolutely true. Um, you know, it, it, I think it, it has been shown, and, and a combination of bad luck and, and bad, you know, late game performances has has made their record worse than you know I think their actual performances and, and talent would would suggest. But but yeah, it's it's a uh, I'll, I'll I'll stick with I'll stick with Clippers and six. Um, you know, it makes sense that. The Mavericks writer is, is going to be a, a bit more optimistic than you, so I, I think I think that's a that's a reasonable take. You know, it's it's funny had they drawn Denver somehow. If the Mavericks had drawn Denver, I might I, I was very close to leaning towards a a Mavericks upside. I, I probably would have predicted a, a Mavericks in six or seven, but but the Ma- the, the the Clippers are just aren't the matchup for them. So, but that's okay. The Mavericks, the the entire point of the season was getting into the playoffs and getting that experience for the first time. And uh, this this just isn't their full team, their fully realized team, and, and that that won't come for um, you know still a, a little while. Um, you know, as as they as they make a tweak here and there, and they add a you know another defender or another wing or or you know this or that or whatever it is. So uh, I just hope it's fun. Glad we glad we actually get playoffs. You know, it, it felt very very distant back when we were writing about this in, in, in late March. But I'm sure we can have another seventy seven minutes in Clip City podcast. Um, you know, at some point during the series uh, for sure. Yes, sir. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, guys. Oh my God. Oh, shut it down! Oh Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug. Man, that is a wrap.